between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. So recently, I caught up with Dealing With Damage, Grey Fuffer, Grey 2, to chat about life, the universe, and everything. And this is what they had to say. So first up, it's Dealing With Damage. And I'm going to top and tail each of the interviews with a couple of songs from the bands. So for Dealing With Damage, you, we're going to have Bigots vs. The Man Professor and Write It Down. And this is James talking all about what the band have been up to, what they're going to be up to, and everything punk rock related. So here's some music, then James, and then some more music. to pop music. There he is, fucking about with this computer, looking up old and shit. Hello, how you doing? Oh, mate, how are you? I'm all right, not bad. Nice to see your face. Yeah, it's been a while, eh? It has been a while. I'm trying to think when I would have last seen you. Probably the Bad Religion show in London. Maybe the cro show. Oh, it would be a band like that. Yeah, definitely the cro or Bad Religion or something along those lines. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. So how are you, you doing? doing yeah, I'm all right, how are you? I'm good. I just got back while well, we did a been playing in this band Desperate Measures with uh, with Eugene. Yeah. And uh, we just did a uh, little mini first week back of 2023 January tour, which was uh, entertaining. <laughs> prop, prop, proper old man punk rock. I'm surprised Captain Muller didn't throw his back out while he was singing. Like. Well, he's, there's been all, all kinds of hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's proper old blokes on the piss. <laughs> <laughs> so... The reason we're here, your your other band, your yes. main pastime, have just released a new record. Yes, well, yeah, yeah, coming very soon. Yes, yeah. so tell us all about it. Well, it's yes, yeah, it's a weird one because it's it's uh, it's been a long time coming because we 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 put out and our first album came out at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. So that came out sort of February 2020, and we did a short little tour with a 
awesome uh, Norwegian band called Danger Man. And uh, we were obviously looking forward to uh, a year of gigging and, and, <laughs> and getting really getting into it. And then blammo, <laughs> the pandemic happened. Yeah, we all, we all got sick. So, you know, we used that time where we're all sitting around doing nothing. Well, you know, we're really lucky. One of the few things we could do was get together and write and record. And I mean, so many bands have got this story, you know, it's mm. the same thing. But we really appreciated being get together. So we, we, we actually had time to uh to concentrate on writing songs and and doing all of that which normally when you're doing a band especially a part-time band because we've all got kids and jobs and all that kind of stuff they were limited in how much we can actually do normally you're always rehearsing for the next gig or you know so you don't really get that you know new songs come along but you know to have like a real concentrated period of being able to write gave us time to really sort of focus on a bunch of new songs and 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 just be completely focused on that really so um I mean, we had the album finished by kind of, I guess, the middle of 2021. But then it's just taken ages because we wanted to um, have everything come out at the same time and get right. the, you know, the, the the vinyl and the CD and everything to, to happen at the same time. So the first one, we came, it came out digitally first and then the vinyl didn't come out till like six months later. And by that point, the moment had gone, really. And you, you know what I mean? It kind of already, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, wait- Waiting on the vinyl just, backlog then, because everybody's in production hell, aren't they? Because vinyl exactly. Like I mean, it's got it's got months? it's got a lot better. It's got a lot better now, but right. um, but for a while, yeah, it was really backed up. So we had to wait for quite a while. Um, but now it's finally all coming together, and yeah, end of this month we will we'll get to have the new album out. So yeah, exciting. You you are excited about it then. It's not it's not like you Very know. Excited. The, the problem is you get too excited at our age, you have an embolism or a stroke or some shit, and you know, exactly. Because we can't drink like we did, and we can't do any of the shit we used to do. Um, but, no, you know. exactly. So so I think you know, and that we really enjoy it now and really appreciate it because I think that's the same for a lot of the uh, older older man bands or any older bands. You, you, it's different when you take it for granted when you're a kid um but when you're older you really enjoy those moments of still being able to do it like recently we did a little <clears throat> three dates with uh girls against boys then came over right and um and it was just great you know it was re- re- great to play some decent gigs and decent <laughs> play, with, and play with a band, with an amazing band. Like... yeah exactly <laughs> exactly because like 10 years ago i would imagine you playing like blazing crossover you know that's the direction i thought you would have gone in Right, 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 right. Well, to be honest, I mean, I've always the the the, the kind of DC Fugazi kind of post hardcore thing has always been a big, you know, big influence. Right. Um, and and really, dealing with damage just came out of um of Kline, really, right. because um, you know, I've known Ed Ed for a long time. I was a huge Stupids fan in the eighties. They were like I, I, of school. I don't think anybody of our age wasn't. Because yeah. everyone, you know, they proving, were proving vacation. That was it. Oh. It's just, it was a game-changing record for everybody. And, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 they, you know, I used to go and see them all the time. And then uh, and so they were like one of my favourite bands. And then I got to know Ed properly when he did Sync um, in the sort of early uh, early nineties. So I knew him around then. Right. And then uh, and then when I met him um, uh, after not seeing him for a while, met him at the end of the nineties. And talked about wanting to do a, a band to get would love to do a band he was looking to do a band and so that's how k-line came together and i was my friend zach and me got together with him and paul who were in sync 
and then we did that for a few years and then for years afterwards we always wanted to do another band um with ed and um it took a while and then sort of around 2015 started talking about it again and um and that's how kind of dealing with damage came about really was so just I, wanted to do that i mean one thing we never talked about you know even though we've had multiple beers together over the years hmm. was why did k-line disappear um yeah i don't know it was um yeah I, not really sure what how it all came we, we looking back you I think it's one of those things when it just kind of just kind of let it go it lost momentum right and and then years later all of us look back on it and go actually that was a really good band we we really should have done a bit more um but at the time you don't really realize so we, we you know we did that album and a couple of singles and played a bunch of gigs and then we were working on some new material um and the, it just the songs weren't coming together very quickly and it just kind of lost momentum mm-hmm. that's that's all that happened there was no big fallout or any big bust up it just kind of oh no i mean I, you guys it, it just took it away we're all too close for it to be like some kind of big bust up or, or fall. I just imagine it was like, you know, you woke up one day and said, no, nah, we don't want to do this anymore. No, it didn't. Yeah. Even, it wasn't even like that. It just kind of just sort of drifted away, really. And people started doing different things, which is which is often the way. Um, in fact, dealing with damage is is the band I've been in that's that stayed together the longest. You know, it's always been like six, six years already, you know, so. Even most of the other bands I've been in, they all kind of collapse off for about three or four years <laughs> or less. You know, but I'm not. I'm uh, not going to say that you're the catalyst for that, James. But you know, yeah. there, there is <laughs> that sort of common denominator. People might start thinking, yeah. So it just lasted longer than Dunline Down did. Yeah, well, Dunline Down was uh, well that that I joined in at the end of '93, and that lasted to the middle of '96. Right. They were going for a couple of years before I joined. Um, but yeah, it's um I mean some sometimes it's good to just do one one record and, and do something else, you know. There's many bands that have carried on for longer than they should have done or <laughs> want to make a lot of dodgy records. If you want to talk about dodgy second records, there's quite a few of them, isn't there? So, you know. well, there's, there's, there's far too many of them. Um, but there yeah. are some great second records. Uh, of course. By the same by the same kind of like the like the Q second record. Incredible, Be- yeah. Vermark yeah. second record. Incredible, Bad Religion second record. Not so good. So we'll leave that there. Crumb Sacker second record. Not good not at so all. bloody good. Metallica second record. Not good at all. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's got its moments. It's not. It's, it's not brilliant, but it's yeah. not bad. Nuclear Assault second album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, so I feel pleased. You know, and that that Caroline got to do one good album, and then we're dealing with damage. I think. It's the second album has come out really good because of because kind of because of lockdown. It was we were we were really able to kind of stretch ourselves a little bit and focus on the music and 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 make a good second record rather than rushing it. That's a lot a lot of the reasons why second albums can be dodgy or the difficult second album syndrome is because you know your first album for any band is 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 everything you've led up to at that point and right. it's you know real the core of the band sound. And then often it's shit we've got to do another record and it's kind of rushed or you know or it's just more of the same or whatever i think we were lucky in some respects with the lockdown that we were able to do you know focus on the music and make something good so i, I think you've done a pennywise if i'm honest yeah right it's, it's a much better stronger record than your first one right 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 great well that's good yeah no, this is this is your this is your unknown road 
right? So, right, right. I think at the moment. Yeah. So as long as you don't follow a killing a killing time, you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we've just tried to mix it up a little bit. I mean, it's still very much the same. You know, our main influences are always like the Ruts and Dag Nasty yeah. and Fugazi, and it's it's that it's that chunky sound, you know, that kind of DC punk and a bit of British punk and all that kind of stuff. But just trying to stretch it a little bit. And with this record, we've have um, um, Andy Myers, uh, who was formerly in a band called Jerry Built years ago, and a mm. bunch of other stuff. And he's added a lot to it. Um, he's a really good songwriter and great vocalist and stuff. So yeah, it's been good. So, question I want to ask you, right? Is how's how how are you coping with old man syndrome, right? You know, being the oldest dude at shows when you go there now, you know, being the guy at the back with the with the arms crossed because everybody's coping with it differently. You know what I mean? I don't, I I don't have a problem with it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I I no, I've never I've never had a problem with that. I mean, it's funny. I do remember. I can really remember that moment of suddenly feeling older at a gig. <laughs> Right. When I was when I was doing a lot of rock when I used to write for Kerrang a lot and uh, in the early two thousands, I can and I and I started getting to sent to a lot of like you know pop punk gigs and emo gigs to review, which is one of the reasons why I stopped writing for Kerrang. Um, <laughs> but I remember that moment of standing standing thinking, oh wow, I feel I feel old now. Mm. Um, but now it's just like. I don't really, yeah, I don't, it doesn't, doesn't bother me, to be honest. It doesn't bother me for a second, mainly because most of the bands I go and see are all, uh, <laughs> old anyway. probably even older than me, do you know what I mean? So, because uh, I'm enjoying shows more now than I have for a while, like, yeah, actually Gnostic Front last year, and then, you know, spending more time backstage talking to them than they actually played, you know what I mean, yeah. hanging out, because they're starting to become friends, it's like, when she yeah. and Terra came over and you hang out with Paul Bear and just drinking bourbon at the bar and said, you know, whatever it goes, because the, the bands you idolised in the, the 80s and listened to in the 80s have now become your mates and they're, they're the people you yeah. do with. Well, yeah, you know of what I mean? Course. And that's, yeah. And it's just nice. I mean, you know, we, we, we both for like solid nearly 40 years in this shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think one of the, the great things about getting older is you don't give a fuck anymore. I don't care oh, no. what anyone thinks. What anyone thinks about me or anything really i mean i'm just you know i'm just really thankful to to be able to do the things i enjoy still you know i've got so many i'm really like you know I, i'm lucky in in the what the, what i get to do how i get to earn a living and i'm lucky to get to play music and i look at my, so many of my friends um that i've grown up with or, or 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 went to school with who are sat at home bored um with with you know with with not much to do you know and watching television every night the music gives you a social life gives you a group of friends gives yeah. you gives you it's given me a whole life as as for you and for many like us you know it's <laughs> it, that's why it's so great you know it keeps us young it, it does it sort of inside it completely keeps you young and one thing i really like think is great about now one thing i'm really noticing even when going to see younger bands right is there isn't that kind of, I don't think kids today really care about how old you are or, or when, when a band, whether a band is young, old or, or new or whatever, it's all just music, you know, right. because they, because they have access to everything. Like, you know, you can just go, they can go on Spotify and hear every single YouTube and hear every single bit of music. Imaginable. Right. It's instantaneous. There's no yeah. sort of, so, yeah. So there's, there's, there's these new bands coming out that are, are all influenced by these by older bands, new bands, the big mixture of influences, and it's 
it's kind of an interesting time for new music, I think, because everything's just kind of mixed up and and so and so accessible. And I think they that you know they love going to see the um the older bands, you know, because they, they, they I went to see uh, Militant Day Cops at the end of last year at uh, right. New Cross, no, around August when they were over for Rebellion, and there was a bunch of right, about fifteen to twenty young punks that turned up, really young. And they were just covered in, you know, subhumans, conflict, NDC. They just bought the whole thing. And they brought so much energy to the room. Dave Dichter would just, he, he, he I, spoke to, I spoke to him afterwards and he said that was just, those kids made that gig so special because otherwise it would have just been like, you know, 100 old punks standing around into it. But <laughs> these kids went absolutely mental, you know. It's, and it's it, like it seeing the circle jokes in Kentish Town, Kentish Town Forum last year. Yeah. Like, Three quarters of that audience were younger kids, you know, they yeah, were kids yeah, under, yeah. under 25, yeah, and they were just going spastic yeah. down the front. And yeah. it was just like, you know, we could all stand in the back and you know, yeah, sort of yeah. lean on warts and nurse our sciatica and bad knees, like. And these kids were going, yeah. and I'm sure that made the show for Keith. Oh, completely. Though, you know, Xander Schloss didn't look like he couldn't, he looked like he couldn't get <laughs> shit, he didn't really want to be there at all, like, you know. <laughs> I just think that they uh, they love the chance to to see to see these bands, you know, the the, right. the, 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 the original bands that started it all, and uh, that you know you go to a Rebellion Festival where there's so much of this stuff, and it's a real mixed audience. So, yeah, it's interesting. Well, so it's funny because I think when I was younger, uh, uh, you know, you meet people that are older than you, and normally you'd yeah. be like, oh wow, you you saw Black Flag, or you saw, you know, I was in such awe of people that are like three or four years older than me that saw. You know, Crass or, or or a lot of the bands that had split up by the time I got into it in the in the mid eighties. Um, but I think now everyone is kind of so used to seeing older bands. Like, right. punk, punk was initially such a youth explosion that I think that the, the the idea of seeing an old punk band was so weird. You know, right? Uh, it's yeah. not now. You know, I remember when we used to go and see. Um, a band like like No Means No always comes to mind because we used to go and see them a lot in the early late eighties, and they they kind of looked like old men. They didn't dress <laughs> yeah. punk. They all had like short grey hair, and we used to kind of laugh at them. And they're like they're these old men, and now every band looks like that. Now every band <laughs> looks like that. we used to go and see the UK subs, and we just couldn't believe how old Charlie Harper was, and he's still doing it. That was in the eighties. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got to be eighty if he's a day. I'm going to see him Sorry. this later this week. He's playing at the Hundred Club. Goes to the UK subs. He's about seventy-eight years old, and it's, it's nuts. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Bad Brains in Newport. It was the most yeah. terrifying thing I'd ever seen, just because yeah. HR yeah. was a force of nature. And yeah, you sort of compare all bands to that from that point on. Then, and all of a sudden, you're thinking, "I'm as old as the bands that are playing now, and we're all old men." Like yeah. HR couldn't, HR couldn't or wouldn't do any of that stuff that he was doing then. We don't no. want, like seeing youth today, like. You know, the first time you see youth there, Capo's flying on the stage, and now he yeah. lands a couple of high kicks, and that's it. Because you know, age takes its toll on you. The music's still there, fury's still there, yeah. but maybe th- other things have had to slow down. And well, I, I know a bad brains is a good example of that because, well, you know, HR is a bit of an issue because obviously he's had lots of mental health issues and stuff right, like yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, and going to see bad brains. You know, it's never going to be like it was in the 80s. Oh, and we can't expect no. him to jump around and do backflips and stuff. But, you know, no. you know, it's, it's it, um, but, you know, some bands like going to see Circle Jokes recent, recently. They were probably just as good as they were in the 80s, you know, maybe a little see, bit calmer. But, you know, yeah, see, I, I will. I will. 
disagree with you on that. Just because, just because, just because it's Anders Schloss, because he just didn't look like he was into it this time. The first time I saw him, they were just like a raging inferno when they hit. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah, and I guess because it's it because the venue doesn't it was much larger, you, it, and you didn't there wasn't the bodies flying off the stage. There wasn't as much stage diving, and I guess no, of course, no. It's going to be a different different vibe, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the kids look at us and think, "Well, you are all you knobs." You spent your youth stage time, and look at you—you you can barely yeah, yeah. walk now. And you, it's like, well, yeah, 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 exactly. But it's so you know, I think that like my son is so—he's twenty-three and he's so yeah. into hardcore and punk, you know. And it's—it's it's been so interesting watching his um his route into it because I I you know obviously from like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, I, I started taking him to gigs, and it was mainly older bands I was taking him to see. He loved mm-hmm. his first thing. He loved No Effects. A lot of that kind of gateway stuff, you know, that you love when yeah. you're a kid. We love the subhumans, took and see them. We went to see Discharge and uh, Conflict and all those kind of bands. And that was his first things. He absolutely loved it. And I do remember at the time thinking, oh, man, he must feel like he stood around with such a bunch of old farts. <laughs> but I don't know if he ever did think that. And I remember thinking it's going to be fantastic when he, you know, if he does continue to be into punk hmm. and he finds his own scene and... um and goes to see bands of his old own age, and that's now what's happening. He's now just off doing his own thing. Like he, he is at gigs all the time. And they're all young bands at his age playing fucking raging hardcore. There's a there's there's such a good little scene at the moment in right. in in the UK. I think because there's there's all these bands that were poised to fucking start raging right before the pandemic started. I know, and then they, they take cut off. <laughs> That's what I think it should be though. The scene should be like a young man's, you know, a young person's yeah. thing. They should be able to just plow straight into it and do it. And you yeah. know, it's great seeing these kids. So it's like grade two have got a new album due out. Yeah, I, I yeah. Fucking adore that band. band yeah. On paper, I shouldn't, you know, because you just think, oh, twenty-five year old. They're not even twenty-five. Made some of the best records I've heard in the last ten years, and they are still doing it. And they, you know, yeah. I get to see them live at last, and that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, a bit yeah. of their might rub off on me, like you know. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like punk rock Viagra. Yeah, 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 completely. <laughs> well, the same, you know. And I said, and then there's, there's these bunch of bands, and so they've come out this year, like come out the traps out of the pandemic, just absolutely raging. There's this band from London called the Annihilated, not the Ipswich thrash metal band, but a young <laughs> hardcore band. And they're fucking amazing, you know. And there's a band called Middleman, and uh, there's just a bunch of, of, of it's a really good little little scene um, developing, and he's just totally immersed into that. So, you know, the future of hardcore punk is safe. I feel. Well, good enough, good enough. So, yeah. and the rest of us can. We've done that shit. Let's talk about our crap. So, back to the band. Yeah. The new record. When is it out? It's out on the 27th of this month mm-hmm. on Little Rocket Records. Which is a, a label uh, owned by Graham Eastby and Leatherface, and uh, it's a Sunderland label. Done a bunch of good stuff, and we did our first album with them as well. Um, and yeah, so yeah, looking forward to it coming out, and then doing a bunch of gigs this year, hopefully. Uh, now there's the inevitable question because being a writer like the rest of us, like Glasper, you yeah, know, and yeah. Roy, um, me, and the, yeah, the whole yeah. bunch of us, and Alex, when's your when's your next book out? Come on. Uh, 
Well, uh, I don't know if I've got a book in me. Uh, of course, I'm really, I am really enjoying writing again, though, because obviously I did it for years. I worked for Milthammer for a long time and Crank for a long time, then loads of, loads of fanzine stuff and things like that. But I've been doing a lot of writing for Viva Rock recently, and um, I've been really enjoying doing that again. Um, and I'm down for life them have a sort of more hardcore magazine they do. So I've been doing, yeah, been really enjoying doing that again. Um, so the book? Pardon? The book? There's got to be a, there's definitely got to be a book there, Jim. There's got to be a book there. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> I've got oh. a few good stories I could tell. <laughs> definitely. definitely. Yeah, but you, you, you know, there are bands you can write about. You know, Ian's not going to write about all of them. Neither Wim with nor think, Glasper. You know, I think I think Glasper's got it pretty covered. <laughs> Between him and Winwood, they seem to have it all sewn up, like because you know <laughs> exactly. Glasper is just like his 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 archiving of. Of, of the scene has been amazing you know it's uh the the all the volumes from from burning britain to uh the recent the scene that wouldn't die he's documented you know bands that would have been a lot of them would have been forgotten you know and now they're they're, they're nicely documented and their stories have been told you know it's brilliant and it helps he's a bloody good writer as well so there is that and he has an eidetic yeah. memory for hardcore because you remember shit that I, I can't even begin to remember you know you'll rattle off the names of demo tapes and you'll be like well, you've oh, got that because been... I sent that to you back in blah blah blah. You're like, what? 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 I don't remember. Yeah, this. yeah. No, he's uh, well. I think he's kept him, he's kept his head together, Glasper. He's never been a, a boozer or a, <laughs> or a, or a, a <laughs> so uh, he can remember some stuff that other people might not remember so well. Um, I'm looking forward to his, uh, his book on the subhumans that's coming out. He's done a full uh, good book about the subhumans. So yeah, we just just reviewed it. And have you read it yet? Not yet, no. Oh, mate, you're gonna, you are gonna adore it. You're really yeah, gonna, yeah, really, really nice. You read that AOD book yet? No, no. Again, is that good as well? To, oh, mate, you've got to, you, you have to read it. It's really, really funny. It's, it's, it's exactly what you'd imagine it to be. Yeah, I was so disappointed when they didn't make it over because they nearly came for the first time. You know, in all these years, they nearly, nearly made it over for Rebellion, and then it all got obviously. So maybe one day they'll make it over. Well, Bruce and Dave are talking about they want to do it. So right. they probably will do it. I would imagine, you know, if not this year, then next. Uh, the it's latest. amazing they never made it over. I, I'm a, Considering how quite well known they were here and they were on a bigger label and stuff, that they never made it to the UK. Yeah, but they, their US touring schedules were punishing beyond belief. They were like, they were right, three right, months right. at a time. They were just playing anywhere and everywhere they could. I mean, they hit. Yeah. Every, they must have hit every town in the US. They took like DOA's blueprint and went, <laughs> "No, we're going right, to right, 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 right." Mm. They did. Uh, I mean, same with Ludacris. Never made it over here. The stupids no. toured with Ludacris in America. Right. So Ed, Ed's got great stories of uh, of touring with uh, Ludacris in America. See, I interviewed yeah. Tommy Christ once, and I would imagine that back in their prime, they were they were they lived up to their name. They were just lunatics. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I saw Scatterbrain, but that wasn't quite as good. <laughs> I, I, I was never ever tempted to see Scatterbrain whatsoever. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would just stand there and go, "This is the same band that released Immaculate Deception." I, I'm not having this. It's, yeah. just, it's just no, 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 no. They were kind of funk. Were they kind of funky? Yeah, it yeah. just it never really. A lot, was. a lot of bands kind of went that way in the early '90s. It was either they either went kind of thrash metal or funk metal or it was just yeah it was some bands pulled it off fine. mind funk pulled it off more yeah, did it. Yeah. 
Mindfunk did. No. Audra didn't. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, that, that's just me. Maybe it's the Pat Dubar thing coming up. I mean, like, well, I'll defend everything Pat Dubar ever did. But, you know, there are some yeah. things you can't defend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After Absolutely. the first Mindfunk record. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, you can never get away from the hardcore thing is always there. You know, it's like even, even though, you know, dealing with damage is kind of, you know, got some different stuff going on. They were always going to be like the hardcore element there because it's just where you come from. It's that energy and it, it sounds more like a DC record this time than your first record did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe so. It's I think a lot more. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's a better album all around. So maybe it's better yeah, times, right? Or that means we're progressing. You're, writing better, you're actually writing better songs. That you, it's only taken forty years to write good songs, mate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, that's progressing. You know, I'd rather be progressing than regressing <laughs> or just falling over. Well, it's gradual evolution, isn't it? You know, we, sort of, we take our time, but we get there in the end, mate. Exactly. But it is a I don't know. Record. I mean, I think that I, I, I feel like that, you know, we, with this band, we may, you know, keep doing it for quite a while longer, really. You know, we, everyone gets on really well. It's... Yeah, yeah, it kind of takes to get to this age to kind of appreciate what you're doing and actually just be able to get on with people you know it's so like doing it when you're younger there's always someone falling out with someone else or or oh. or someone that it's normally someone that wants to do more than everyone else that's normally what kills most bands well e- egos but heads when you're kids egos but heads yeah. you, you yeah. just you know you, you're all driven by what you want to do and by this yeah. relentless drive to get it done Exactly. There's someone that wants to do it full time and be on yeah. tour all the time. And there's another guy that wants to only do it a little bit. And there's someone who's more into it than someone else. And there's someone who thinks they're better than someone else or, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's, it always just, and it just falls apart. But with this, we're just like, we're all just kind of a bit grown up, enjoy playing, get on with it. You know, no, no, no drama. It's like, it's like we did that the Charlie's Family Crisis thing, right? We, by the time we split up years and years and years ago, you know, everybody was like, we've got to take time away from each other. When we got back to yeah. our room last year, and it was lovely. It was just great. It was yeah, like, you know, yeah, we yeah. actually sat and enjoying it because there's no fucking egos. There's no bullshit. There's no button heads. I think we got to play a thousand miles an hour. We'll just play whatever we play. And that's, that's what it is. And it's yeah. good. I think it's good to be old, mate. It's good to be old. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with it than I thought I would be. Yeah. Right. So well, I have to keep doing what I want. <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna stop us because we like you say we don't give a shit anymore you know what, what they're gonna say what they're gonna do who gives a fuck we don't care yeah. i don't i didn't exactly. do two fucks or anyone thinks like and no, i'm pretty no, sure no. you don't either like no so, not at all not sell the record again come on uh sell the record well um buy our album america's <laughs> rich uh no, it's just, it's got, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's called, um, yeah, Use the Daylight. It's on Little Rocket Records. Uh, if you like good, honest, melodic punk rock with some interesting twists and turns and some uh, some still angry, pissed off lyrics by over middle-aged men that are still pissed <laughs> off at the world and, and aghast at the, the fucking crazy shit that goes on all the time. Oh. I mean, I've got to say, like, Ed, Ed writes brilliant lyrics. Like, yeah. It's funny when you when you're in a band with people, especially the singer, you often don't really take the time to appreciate the the lyrics because you're also focused on the music. But when when the album came back and we got the lyrics sheet and I I read everything back, I had to message Ed and go, "Man, you fucking there's some really great stuff on this," and um and there's you know there's a lot to write about. 
you know, the world is... <laughs> ain't, ain't there ever. It feels the like... Is... You know, it feels like, like, like a regular factor all over again when, when you had that genuine anger that was bubbling forward. And yeah. you know, that genuine anger creates amazing music and amazing punk rock and hardcore. And it might yeah, have it's... taken 40 years, but it, we're back in that sort of, you know, yeah. stage again. More so than ever, and it's. It, it, I think it's crazier than it ever was before. So there's, yeah. That, that, I hope that that comes across in the uh, in 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 the album, you know. Right. So yeah, there's. We're not just. Uh, it, there's stuff to be to be said. Well, it's so, got my th- it's got my thumbs up, and we're going to play a couple of tracks <laughs> on this cast as well, so that everybody can go out and buy it. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, it won't make you rich, but at least you'll be able to buy me a beer next time. Me always send me always bloody something new, like so. Exactly. All right. That sounds like a deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely owe you a beer. <laughs> you I'm, not even, I'm not even going to be able to count the numbers, mate. You know? Yeah. Are you in London for any gigs? Um, probably Peg Boy in all in August. But oh, definitely. I'm so excited for that. You know, every, that's every, every time Rebellion um announce, you know, they, they I'm always like Peg. That was the one on my one that was really on my wish list was for a um, Peg Boy reunion. I'm pretty sure Bad Religion will be over again at some point. So, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and uh, Pegboy, I, I did get to see them a couple of times in the early 90s. But, I, I, you know, I think in recent years, I don't think they've really played outside of Chicago. So um, I think that's going to be fantastic. I really so, need to buy a ticket for that, actually. Yeah, it'll be August at the latest, I would imagine, um, that yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. But I will be in London this year, so we will have to have a hangout. You do yeah, all yeah, style definitely. next time. Dinner and beer yeah. and then the show. <laughs> be yeah, even more exactly. <laughs> all right, man. all right. I'll see you Thank soon. You, Tim. Anytime, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll oh. speak to you soon. Yeah, see you soon, James. Tell everybody. Yeah, bye bye. Bye bye.
So that was James from Dealing With Damage telling us all about what the band have been up to and what they're about to be up to. Uh, next up, we've got Richie and Mike from Grave Huffer. Um, and before we get into the conversation with Richie and Mike, I'm going to spin Blueprints for an Early Grave, uh, which will be followed by The Cryptids. So this is Grave Huffer. Please prepare for emergency evacuation. All reactor core safeguards are now non-functional. Please prepare for emergency evacuation. So we got Richie and Mike from Gravehover here to talk about their new album. Do you want to tell us about Depart from Evil? It is Depart from Evil? Or Depart, Depart from, from So Much Evil. Depart from So Much Evil, that's it. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about the record, fellas? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, like I just prefaced it a little bit, like Mike and I have been playing in bands together since like 
96, 97. And I remember pretty vividly, we were talking one time at a practice and um, <clears throat> we were in like, it was like, like a crust punk band, you know, anarcho punk, whatever you want to call it. And um, even back then we were talking about doing like a, a long, like prog type song, but doing it in a punk way. And right. um, so I don't know. It, it's always been in the back of our minds, I think. And um, it's kind of our version of like Rush 2112, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it, um, it's definitely something that's been brewing for a long time. And we just decided now is a good time to do it. Um, but I've, but I've, about- I've, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Carry on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I was gonna say, whenever I describe you guys to anybody, it's always, it's just imagine old school neurosis meets the accused circa Martha's Mother stories ever told, and that's it. You know, nice, that's what... nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we love the accused. <laughs> yeah, <man>. and neurosis. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, just that's exactly what you guys are like. You, you have nailed that sound, and that's why I don't understand why you're not, you know pushing out further and getting bigger shows and tours than you are. I guess. We're working on that. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're definitely trying to get that out there. Um, I don't know if we need a better booking agent. Cause I think a lot of clubs to see that all oh, the bands contact me themselves and they just, I don't know if they frown upon that or, hmm. but yeah, it seems it's a little tough to get shows sometimes, you know? Yeah. Cause, cause Usually, I, I I thought I think you guys should be a full time touring band. You know, oh, I'd love that. Yeah, <laughs> dude, we'd be all over that. I mean, <laughs> it's you know we all have day jobs and stuff, so that yeah. makes it a little more of a, a challenge, I guess. But mm. um, I mean, hell, we I don't see why we couldn't get get up to like going off for a week and a half, two weeks at a time every couple you know three months or something you know yeah yeah um but yeah that we're wanting to work towards that and um we've definitely had some booking agents interested um i think part of it is just us being able to to do it um we don't want to really um go into a relationship with a booking agent and then not be able to fulfill our end of it so that's that's kind of where we're at at the moment yeah, because we've all we all have to work to pay the bills. Yeah, we, but our jobs are cool about letting us go like four days at a time. You know. Oh yeah, three days here, four days there. I mean, that, that's kind of what we're doing now. We'll do three or four days, like mm-hmm. once a month or something. You know, but we'll try to hit like states that are you know multiple states away, you know, stuff like that. And we're hoping to do overseas next year. That's oh, that's oh, the plan. Nice. Right. Yeah. Well, I know an overseas booking agent, so uh, well, a European booking agent. So if you need one, uh, they're good too. So awesome, I, nice. I <laughs> well, we may be up. hitting you up. We may be hitting you up then. Well, you have, you're absolutely welcome to. They are, you know, I would trust these guys in my life, literally. Um, oh, nice, awesome. Because um, they've all, well, two thirds of the booking team have toured in bands relentlessly, so they know um, how to make tours work for people, how to make shows work for people. And they know nice. how to not make sure the bands don't get stiffed. Right. That's kind of, yeah, that's the, unfortunately, that's the most important thing as far as, yeah. you know, you got to have 
the means or the money, the funds to make it go. You know, right. It's just, part, it's just part of it, and it's a you know necessary evil, I guess. But but yeah, like this idea that uh, some certain scene kids have that you should just turn up and play, and you know, be grateful for whatever two three dollars you get on the door and to go to the next town is ridiculous. It's just insane. They don't know the practicalities of what it costs to keep a van on the road, what it costs to keep people fed, what it costs to keep, you know, people not well, you know, not getting sick while you're out there touring. Yeah. Touring is a hell of a thing, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, just filling up the tank once is like 80 bucks. to 100 bucks. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so if, if you're getting like $300 a show, $400 a show, that's just enough to cover, you know, the gas, the sort of basic maintenance and to get you guys fed to get to the next show. That's all it is. It's not an extortionate amount of money, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not like we're like, fucking, like, living high on the hog or anything. When we started asking for guarantees, we kind of felt bad. But no, we were just like, dude, we got to at least get our gas money and, and Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. like you're asking for like lines of coke and hookers, you know. You you just yeah. asking for the basic necessities. Yeah. Or just brown M and M's, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean they they'd be nice, but you know that's 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 a different conversation for a different day. Yeah, exactly. So, you guys mentioned like your 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 punk rock background, so you are like long time scene guys, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for years and years, I've man. been. Uh, I discovered punk like in '84. Right, and it just I, as soon as I, because I was into like Devo and stuff, and once I heard like I, I had heard the Ramones, you know, the Sex Pistols, you know, and, right. but once I heard like Suicidal Tendencies, that's when I was like, wow, this is, this is for me, you know, Black Flag, and I was just like, this is off the rails, right? Know? That's yeah. when I was like, that's when I really started going, okay, now I found my path, you know, I just. Yeah. As soon as I heard it, I just thought, this is for me, you know. <laughs> but I like, I, so guessing you're, you guys are on the same age as I am, because, you know, we're, we're from the 80s. We discovered hardcore in the 80s. And one of the sort of um, things that always amazes me is how many ba- how many people discovered hardcore through suicidal tendencies. And I don't know whether it's because of the institutionalized video or because of, you know, they had that incredible first album and then joined the army. But they seem to have been like a gateway drug to hardcore for a lot of people. <laughs> I know it's kind of yeah. crazy, man. That I remember... the, uh, the my I was a skateboarder, right? And that's pretty much what when you go to the ramp, dude, and you'd hear people would just be constantly dubbing off their tapes, you know. Yeah. And the first the first tape I got was suicide. The first suicide on one side, and the first replacements on the other. Replacement stink. Yeah, yeah. You know that's, that album? That man, that's a yeah. good album for you. Yeah. It just that, blew that, my that's mind. A good tape. <laughs> I was like, this, this is in the I've never heard of this. This has been out there this whole time, you know? I'm yeah, like, right. You're like, holy shit. How'd man. this get by me? Right. Know? Yeah. Cause I thought I dug pretty hard. I didn't dig for shit. <laughs> but digging hard back in the day was pretty tough. Yeah. You know? Well, it was like you had to go to record stores, you had to get fans, right. you had to get magazines, right off the bands, hope they'd send you something back right off the labels, hope you didn't get ripped off. <laughs> Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, it, now it's just like tap a few things on a keyboard and you're there. So, right. Oh, dude. If we would have had YouTube and we were kids, <laughs> nothing would have stopped any of us. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I used to hate like reading in a magazine and you'd read about, I remember I read about this band called Darth Vader's Church. Right. And I read about them probably 10 years before I ever heard them. 
And I was just asking everybody, hey, do you guys have, you ever heard of Darth Vader's church? And everybody said no. And then we played in, where was that, Cincinnati or Columbus? But, Somewhere in Ohio, yeah. Yeah, I, I go, do any of you guys know Darth Vader's church? And the guitar player's like, yeah, I have their demo. And I was like, ah! <laughs> But it's, it's it wasn't not... as good as I hoped. And I was like, I waited ten years to fucking hear this. Because <laughs> they said, "Oh, this band sounds like Celtic Frost." You know? And you're like, "Oh man, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah." yeah but that was like such an easy, you know, um, throw around term at the time. You know, everyone sounds like Celtic Frost. Or everyone sounds like, "Have you heard that death rehearsal tape from Florida in 1983?" Like, oh, I want to hear that. <laughs> And, you Dude. know, it's just it's just one of those things. But th- that's what amazes me. You guys seem to have kept that energy going, you know, for all this time. Mm-hmm. Because people find a formula and they find something stayed and they find something safe and they just kind of play it over and over. But you don't do that. Grave Huffer does not do that. You just go, okay, you think this is what we sound like? Nah, nah, let's let's flip this on the head and move it around. And because no two songs are exactly the same. No, you know, follow the same sort of linear progression. No album, then your records follow the same sort of patterns. There's always, it's like you're always breaking new ground. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. We, we tried to. I mean, um, well, I wouldn't say it's like a, it's not like we set out. Yeah. It's more like, uh, whatever the songs kind of go with whatever we're feeling, you know? Right. So, you know, when times are getting hard, the music's going to get heavier and, uh, this last album, we just had a lot of time on our hands. And so we were like, we've been talking about doing Dante for a long time. And we we're like, look, let's, we have the time. I got the studio at my house, so it doesn't cost us studio time. Mm-hmm. So we just went for it, you know. And it took a little bit longer than we thought, but um, we were happy with what we ended up with because we were like, yeah, each one of us got, everybody got their input. And I, I think that's what it is because we get different drummers. Uh, we have different singer, so it, it morphs a little bit because we're cut. We're like you've put new ingredients into the the soup, you know? right? So it's it's going to sound a little different. I think this is probably the most collaborative album we've ever okay. done. Yeah, so yeah. Was, was there a reason for that? Was it was there a reason like you know you, you wanted to step back and say, well, look, let's all get involved rather than having like a primary songwriter? Um. Well. I don't think we necessarily have primary songwriters. We mm-hmm. have, it's kind of like, we'll have, well, mostly it's me and Richie. Yeah. It's like a, we'll have a Mike song or a Richie song, a Mike, you know, Richie song, or sometimes it's like a combo of both. But this time it was, um, yeah, like Travis, Travis would say, hey, play something like this. He'd like sing it to us. Right. And we would play it, you know? Yeah. It was, it was a little different approach, but it wasn't so different that it was, yeah, it wasn't alien or anything. Yeah, exactly. But we just said, okay, on this album, uh, Richie wrote a f- song, and I wrote a song, and then Travis wrote part of a song. Mm, okay. And so we wanted it to be like each one of us had total say for that song. You yeah. Know? Mm. But it, it just, you know, the record starts in, it kicks in, and you just go, okay, <laughs> okay, this is where we're going. And then you go somewhere <laughs> completely different. It's like, yeah, I did not expect that. Because I, I, I like to stick things in. Onto like a phone and just play while I'm walking the dog. And, you know, people can tell if I'm enjoying myself because I won't be sulking. <laughs> if, if I've got a big grin on my face, you know they're like, "Okay, yeah, we'll, yeah. You know, we can leave him alone." And that's what was happening this morning. It's a massive nice. grin all over, all over my face. Just listening to this rapidly. It's, nice, you know, to quote a much wiser man than me, fucking incredible. So, yeah. <laughs> kudos awesome, to you guys. You know, I am, um, yeah, literally blown away. And that's not easy. 
being you know, a fifty something cynical old punk rocker. So right, hey, man, I hear you, dude. Yeah, we're the same way. Oh my god, we've been like. Once we get started, once we got done to the mixing stage, I kept thinking, man, people are going to like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's something else. It's something special. Yeah. <laughs> there's one song that's 20 some minutes. So I was like, they're not going to like that, number one. Right. And there's a song on there that's probably the slowest song you've ever played. And I was like, I don't know about that. this. Right. And then I was just like, man. So we thought that first song, I want it to be like a slap in the face. Like, yeah, we haven't slowed down. Right, and we're still brutal. Right, I mean that's probably the fastest song we've ever, we've ever put to tape. So, but it's it's like that speed that the, the, the combination of speed and measured insanity. So it feels like there are times when you're about to teeter over to madness and complete lack of control, but at the same time it's completely in control. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's like, yeah, dude. That's like we talk about that all the time. Yeah, uh, my favorite band, like one of the earlier, I got a. When I was probably like 15, I got a compilation. I cleanse a bacteria as a pusshead comp. Fratricide. Had, what was that? Is that fratricide? You want to talk about the band fratricide from, from like one of those pusshead comps? Because that comes oh, into your sound as well. Oh, uh, uh, Mob 47. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I know yeah. where you from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That band just blew my mind, dude. And I was like, none of my friends got it. They're like, this band sucks. I'm like, dude, you just don't. You just. To me, I used to always tell people, it sounds like a band that's playing and someone pushed them down the stairs, but somehow they're still all playing their instruments. Right. It's like, it's like you... But they're bouncing down the stairs. <laughs> yeah. So there's all this incidental shit. Right. Yeah. Teacher, <laughs> teaching like, on a tightrope, but everything, you know, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. balance. Like, oh. And it, yeah, it's, it's like, like a clumsy dude going across the tightrope. You're like, oh, shit. That's what I mean. It's like with Martha Spratt's Madness. Stories ever told. They always the band always sounds like they're on the verge of you know complete madness, but it's always reined in, and that's what you guys have. That's what you share with the accused as well. You know that sort of let's yeah. push it as far as we possibly can, right? And then yeah, push like it a little racing. bit further. You know, you're drag racing in a piece of crap dragster. Yeah, parts are flying off of it. You know, but you're still <laughs> fucking screaming down the dragster. Yeah! And, that, and, that, and, and that's when you turn the nitrous on, just whatever is coming off. <laughs> yeah, that's where I the fun's to be had. Like, yeah, it is. It is really where the fun's to be had. It's kind of nice having that. Like, I know when we're playing live, and it's it's like you're in this fucking vortex, and you're like, holy shit, this could like it's it's kind of exciting. Like, this could go off the rails at any fucking second. And but, that's the beauty of old school shows compared to new it shows. It is. Shows it's like, everything's so controlled. Everyone's just filming everything on their phones, you know? And yeah. There are times I'm as guilty of as anyone else, as everyone else. It's like just losing yourself in the moment and just, you know, flinging yourself off the stage and getting into the pit. That's right. the difference between then and now, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, there's just this, like, I don't even know how to explain it, but, but yeah, it's... um. It's I don't know, man. That's just kind of how we've always we've always been attracted to that type of feeling in the music, and um, I don't think it's even with I think with age, I think it's even almost more exciting. <laughs> the right. older we get, you know, being able to harness that. Right, it, it's just I I it's it just pisses me off that you guys aren't out there. Playing the same tours as like you know Cryptic Slaughter are now those kind of you know shows uh, those kind of bands you should be on those bills 
Just be on those <laughs> death fests, you know? Right, yeah. You yeah, I mean, like I said, we're getting there. We play 25, 30 solid shows a year. Mm. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely trying our best. Oh, to, not, I'm not saying it's you guys. It's, it's certainly not you, down to you guys. It's down to, like, you know, apathy. Sure. And, you know, no, I got you. No, yeah. I, I, I understand. I think that a lot of that's been in the right place at the right time, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. Or knowing the right people, eh? And on the right people, yeah, yeah. Honestly, why isn't it like Wayne's World, where some fat guy in a limo? <laughs> oh wow, this band's great! I'm gonna sign up to their contract, <laughs> right? You know, you got like there's labels like Relapse, which would be a perfect home for you. Oh, oh man, dude. we've we've tried to hit them up probably three or four times, right? And, you know, sorry, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, shit, Tommy wouldn't care. He, he, he he'd probably be the first. He'd be cheering us on. He'd be, yeah, he'd be yeah. our first, our first cheerleader. Yeah. But um, you know, because he even tells us we're like his quote unquote we're his slayer or, or whatever you know. So right, and um, you know he's real proud of us and he loves working with us and playing shows with us and um. So yeah, this is Tommy Stewart at the Black Duma Records right head, and he was actually he was in Hollow Eve. He was uh, yeah the yeah. Bay Area Thrash Band. Yeah, yeah, he was the bass. Player. He was the bass player, right? Got ya, got ya. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we'll, when we we play with him quite a bit, and every once in a while you'll see some like sixty year old person just fanboying out on him, <laughs> and like being like Tommy Stewart, like yeah, he's like, and he's this real humble, nice guy. And usually when they, I remember one time this this guy said that he had driven like a thousand miles for a sixtieth birthday to see. Tommy play because he missed him at a show in the 80s. Mm. He's like, I was supposed to see you in the 80s in Detroit and the show fell through. And Tommy's like, I remember that show. That's and the guy was just wanting to sign all this stuff and was talking to him. So after he walks off, Tommy looks at me and he's like, he's like, man, I, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. He goes, I always feel like I should buy him dinner or something. <laughs> so nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> That totally sounds like he something he would say, man. He is. He's so nice. Yeah, he's a sweet guy. Man. He really is. But it's it's it. You know, it's cool that the older. I mean, the guys who are from an older generation than us, like Hallows, even the, the original Bay Area Thrash guys, are finally going. Fuck these guys are <laughs> something special, you know? Right. Yeah. On the same exactly. sort of pedestal because because he was there when Slayer were, you know, making their mark originally when Hellawaits hit. Because mm-hmm. let's let's be honest, that Show No Mercy ain't a good record, but Hallowaits is where it all starts. <laughs> it's where it all starts for Slayer. So he was yeah. there when that was happening. You know, I just right. and to put you on that same pedestal shows the faith he has in you, and the faith that the rest of us haven't yet. Of right. Us, of the yeah. Same age, I mean, you know, we a really of, a new grave of a record, something special for me. That's why I'm saying, like, <laughs> we got to get you on the on the podcast because you know right. it means nice. something to me, and it means Thank something you. to Chris, and we're like. Yeah, we got to we got to get these guys on. We got to get let people know that the records out because it's it's about I guess that old school scene mentality where we found something great. We want to share this with you, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean that that does it does bring you back to those old tape trading days. Yeah. And, you know, wait a someone so here's this. Yeah, I mean you do you get this just genuine enthusiasm about a, a an album where every. Because especially back then, everything was such a new sound, and and it was this you know each band you discovered or whatever was this this amazing thing that you'd never heard before, and so I totally get that sentiment, and I 
we definitely appreciate that. Well, the, okay. the first time uh, Tommy came to my house, he's like, let me hear this, the, it's like a rough mix of the album. And he's like, can I put the headphones on? I'm like, yeah. So he puts the headphones on and I started it and he was just like, the headphones lasted about a minute on his head because <laughs> he just kept going, wow, wow. And he's like, takes them off. He goes, man. And after he's like, okay, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk. Then he goes, oh, I really like that part. Oh, yeah. Then when he got done, he's like, I feel like I just watched a death metal movie. <laughs> he's like, I just watched a soundtrack to a death metal movie or something. He's like, this, this is like a journey. So, yeah, he was really, like, from then, he was a, one of our biggest cheerleaders was Tommy. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's not like you guys just sit down and crank out any old songs. You think, like, oh, well, let's just crank this up. Everything has meaning. Everything has thought. And you know that from just the record. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. I mean, we did. We would have discussions about each part. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this part is when this happens, or this part is when, you know, this happens, and so it needs to sound this way or, or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you picked up on that because mm-hmm. every – yeah, every single part to every song really has some kind of, you know, musical equivalent that's got a meaning to to it. Right, because you're telling you're telling a story with music rather than right. just letting cranking music out for music's sake. There's a point right, right. to our absolutely every second of that record, and that's what makes it go fuck. You know, you go okay, <laughs> yeah, this is this is something else. <laughs> Well, thank. I mean, it's and it's always nice when you get people such as yourself that pick up on that. And we've had a few other people tell us that too. That like, you could tell this album is from the heart and blah blah right. blah. And I'm like, wow, that's actually man. I'm weird with like compliments, so it's it's. it's well, I'm kind of I'm relieved. Yeah, me I too. was honestly afraid. I thought people were going to be like, you guys, what happened to them? You guys suck now, you know, blah blah blah. Nah, but everyone nah, nah, seems nah. like it's not completely opposite. It seems like everybody's getting gets it you know yeah that was the thing we we're kind of worried if anybody would like get it or if it go over people's head or, or what you know no man stasis is a killer evolution is the way forward and that, that's what you guys do and it's that simple you know if you nice. evolve, you're gonna, <laughs> thank you're gonna you just, thank you gonna die like there's no point so <laughs> all right so dream scenarios what what's the one place you each want to play and why <laughs> i always love this question go ahead um Japan, Budokan. Right. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I mean, dude, just Japan. I don't even care where we play. I just want to play Japan. And, like, Germany, you know, maybe even Scandinavia. I mean, honestly, that's kind of like, I feel like that's something that is possibly reachable for, for us. Oh, definitely. Uh, not not, I not guess, possibly, but definitely. Yeah, I guess going, you know, you're, you you did say dream scenario, so yeah, yeah, we'll go big and do Budokan or Hammersmith in the UK. You know, that would be fucking. The, ha- the Hammersmith Odeon ain't what it was. It's now the Labatz Apollo Odeon. Ah, I wish they wouldn't change the name. Ah, it, it's yeah, <laughs> it ain't the same place where, where Maidenhead. I know where, where ACDC played the be- the best killer shows ever. It ain't that place anymore. It's not and, the hammy. <laughs> nope, it ain't that place no more. It's not the place ah. where Metallica tore the roof off. And the Budokan, I'm, I'm hoping the Budokan is still the same place where the, you know, the Scorpions killed it, but I, you know. Uh... Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird. Those places have that lore about them. And then, yeah. 
Yeah. Like things, more things change and all that. And it's, uh... Oh, yeah. So, sell the record to everybody, guys. This is your time to sell the record to everybody out there. Why should they buy it? Why should they listen to you guys? I'll make you, it'll raise your IQ by like five points. <laughs> <laughs> Better than my Damn. IQ. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is the tough one, man. I don't, I'm not very good. At this I think it's like you're looking for like uh, a musical adventure or uh, adventure, right? A good word. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's a little, I mean, like you said, not every song doesn't sound the same. Each song is t- is completely different, mm-hmm. but it kind of leads you to the end. Yeah, it does. Where, it okay, here comes all this shit. You all these ingredients you just heard are going to be put in this one big pot, you know? Right. And then that's well, uh, kind of like like you said, it's a soundtrack because like when when I play, I picture like I have like movies in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the times, it's just like centurions like battle giant <laughs> battlefields like <laughs> complete chaos but right other times there's other things happening that's usually you know when we're playing them i picture those things in my head you know yeah see to me i would have just said you know if you want a record that's going to challenge your perceptions and ideas of what hardcore can be or what thrash metal can be and what any sort of extreme music can be this is the record to listen to because it'll change your perceptions but it also you know reaffirm your love of the music that you adore that's nice that's perfect honestly man because like i think that's it man um we've been doing it a long time and we've never challenged ourselves like we have with this one that's definitely for sure right well i am gonna hang up on you guys now because it's, it's time to go, but it has been okay. an absolute Mike. It's been an absolute pleasure, you know. And Thanks. we want to have you guys on again, and we're okay. going to spin Thank some of your tracks just to make sure that everybody does buy this record. All right, man. Thanks, you man. get to we Germany and Japan, <laughs> right? <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Have a good evening, guys. You too. Take care. Bye. I was going my captors And their life was on me They came from hope and love was And fought toward the sea I want to see my captain Like to be next to me
And last but by no means least, it's time for Grade 2 to kick everything into overdrive with Midnight Ferry and Under the Streetlight. And sandwiched in between the two tracks, uh, there's a conversation with Sid, their bass player, who tells, who talks about what the chaps have been up to since Graveyard Island. Chats, you know, he chats about the new album and what the future holds for the band. And, you know, believe you me, um, Grade 2 are just about the best, along with the Barstool Preachers band in the UK at the moment. Um, so please, if you get a chance to, just go and buy the new record and and go and see him on their tour, which is kicking off in March, I believe. Um, anyway, this is Sid from Grade 2. And there's a couple of tracks, as I said, Midnight Ferry and the Streetlight from the band as well. So um, enjoy and we'll see you soon. Hello, Sid. Hello, mate. How's it going? I'm all right. How are you, brother? Yeah, not too bad. Cheers. Yeah, nice one, man. So, your new record is about to drop. Yes, mate. Yeah, we've got (laughs) 
just over two weeks now. Yeah, it's, it's coming up quick, actually. I am liking what I hear. Like it's as good. It's as good as Graveyard Island so far. So, uh, have you got? Have you heard it already? Yes, mate. Oh yes. Okay, it's been, good. It's yeah, been yeah. A solid rotation all week. Like it's just been. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. That really means a lot. So, tell us about the writing of it. So, obviously, it's been written during the pandemic. Um, so, was there a yeah. lot of refining and sort of, you know, holding stuff this time more than any other time? Yeah. So, go, going back to Graveyard Island, actually, yeah. that, was, that was quite an interesting way, way around how we did it. So, we finished Break the Routine, which was like our first full album. Mm. And... We we kind of felt like we found a sound and we went and got a bit experimental with writing. Um, we we knew that we were writing for our first release on Hellcat, but we 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 went a bit crazy and we started writing these like four and a half minute like ballad type songs. And we got into the studio and basically it was a case of being told like rain it in, like where are you going with this one? And it, it was a bit of an eye-opener, really. I think the, the, we've kind of matured with the band. Like, we started yeah. the band at a young age, and we've kind of, like, grown up, learning our instruments, learning how to write songs. And that was, like, a, a real turning point of, like, okay, this is actually the direction we were aiming for. And we kind of just picked out the songs and then co-wrote a load of songs for Graveyard Island. Right. But within that session, we learned a lot. We really, like, basically did our homework, took our notes, and like you say, yeah, this al- album was written through the pandemic, so there was a lot more time. Um, we wrote around 35 songs. And it's funny, because any other interview I heard a band saying that, I always thought that was nuts. Yeah. Have you gone and wrote 35 songs? But it was weird, because then we found ourselves in a position of like, okay, we've actually gone and done it. But when I say 35 songs, not all of them were good. There was some of them were shit. <laughs> um, but we, we picked out, but we, we got 16 of them and we really, really hammered them out as if they were going to be in a set list. Right. We, de- we demoed them in Jack's bedroom. We were like one mic kind of plugged straight into a computer, but it was enough to give us the gist. And it was right. like, okay, listen to this, what's working, what isn't working and kind of, we'd go at it in a different approach and see how it would work. So it got to the point of basically we had these 16 songs completely fine-tuned. It was like, we on our side were happy to like sign and send them off. Like you're always going to back your own work because it's you that's done it. So we've got out to the studio this time and we'd sat down with Tim and everyone else that was going to be working on the record with us, the sound engineers and everyone. And we've gone through these demos and it was pretty crazy because the reaction was basically, let's do it. And it was like, hang on, any notes? Like, what? <laughs> and they, they were like, no, no, this is it. Like, the songs are spot on. Yeah. And for us, it's, you're in that position of like, you've got a weird clarity of what you thought was good has been heard by someone else and they're on the same wavelength. And it was like, oh, bloody hell, like, all right, like, so we that's basically how what's well, going into this one. It was a different dynamic, but the the time helps. 
It's like really? a natural justification because somebody else says to you, "Yeah, you're doing what you're doing is what you should be doing," you know. And yes, because it sounds like a natural continuation of Graveyard Island. You, there's no difference in the sound. The songs sound like they're from the same band. It just, I don't know, maybe a little bit more refined. Yeah, funny you say that. We've trying to be like trying to hit the nail on the head with it, and it's like we tried to take the sound of the two records we've done. Yeah. Keep our feet there, but take that extra step. Right. Uh, that's probably like the best way I can phrase it. I think it's like we were happy with how we were sounding. We just wanted to like finish it. Yeah, just take it to like the next be, like, level. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, basically, and I, I feel like that's and that's one of the reasons why it ended up as a self-titled. It was because like we felt the record basically ended up as a package of how we always felt the band was. Right. And there was like title ideas that were floating about, but they all felt either forced or like we were just looking for a title. Yeah. And it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, how would you describe the band if you would sell someone? And it was like, this record is like, if we were to describe us is like, listen to this, this is great too. Like this is the yeah. record. And Jack, Jack actually said in a previous interview, he was like he was always quite against the idea of a self-titled record, and right. uh, we, the, the idea floated about for a few weeks, and it, then he came back to us and was like, actually, yeah, I think self-titled is the, is the one for this. And this I is like a about, perfect about, calling card for the band, though. So it's, it's you know this is you, this is us. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's exactly what we were aiming for. I mean, we've come to ten years of the band now yeah. and like like I said it's like we've grown up we've kind of matured with this band and to be able to kind of put our stamp on a record and be like this is what we've wanted to achieve it's quite like a, a liberating feeling like, <laughs> of, we've, we've, we've done it like, do you know what I mean so it's funny it's a funny thing but that's like the point it feels like we've got to I mean, you've got to have a really weird perspective on the scene because, like I said, you guys grew up, you know, you were playing in in a band from the time you were 14, 15? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And you've grown up in the scene. And so, basically, you've grown up on the road. You have a unique perspective on punk rock. What do you think it's taught you as musicians and people being in the position that you were? And I don't know. Oh, that's a, that's a question I've never been asked. <laughs> I tell you what, it it didn't half make us grow up quick. Right. That's the that's the number one thing. Like we were traveling, like flying places when we were like sixteen, and it was just us three. So like the initial sense of to- touring was like, okay, like we're really gonna have to like hold our own kind of thing and be able to be in these environments and people not look at us and think who's invited the three kids along <laughs> like, do, do you know what I mean yeah um, I don't know but I, I think like the biggest thing is taught us is like it's like the connections you build like and the sense of like basically building another family with everyone yeah, like yeah. you build these connections with people um, I think that's one of the biggest things like it's, and then I guess there's like the business side of things that you have to learn as well. Like we, and 
in the very early years, we had no one telling us what to do. It was all trial and error. Like, just see what we could do, see where we would get. Like, the amount of times we absolutely, like, wasted money on travel because we didn't know really how to book it. Right. We were just booking, yeah. like... I remember the first ever time we went away... So we're living on the Isle of Wight and we flew out from Stansted to Germany. And we'd all travelled a bit, but like not that much. We couldn't work out how to get to the airport for a certain time flight. So we ended up sleeping on the airport floor before our first gig out in Germany. That was like nuts. <laughs> and the amount of like overnight coaches and stuff like that we did. We so none of us drove until recently, like right. I still don't drive. Jack and Jacob have had their license for probably two, two, three years now. But we, for seven years of the band, we were on public transport. Like, and we would lug two guitars, snare cymbals, kick pedal, bag of merch, personal bags. And we'd be on like commuter trains, coaches. It was, at the time it was normal because that's just how we did it. It wasn't until people started like clocking onto it and was like, how did you get in today? And we were like, oh, well, we got the train to London and the train to Manchester and then we got a coach from Manchester to Edinburgh. That's like, bonkers, see. That is just... It, that, it's nuts. But it's because it's the only way you knew how. I mean, the rest of us, we were all just jumping in tour vans and just, well, we got a van, we ride around and we're going to drive. I can't even yeah. imagine, like, you know, because the drive to want to play a show, right? So you jump on a train from London to Manchester and then a bus from Manchester to, to Edinburgh. That's nuts. Yeah. Most of us would have just gone, nah, boss, that. It's, it's not that <laughs> the amount of times we heard that and we always just laughed it off and yeah. we actually sat and spoke to each other the other day it's like if you, if we had to do another one of them journeys now would you do it <laughs> we all went no way <laughs> like, just like I remember getting on like the tubes in rush hour just like with all our gear and like the the looks you got from people just like you look like lunatics carrying all of that stuff around but it was like the norm for us really so yeah I, like really it was the growing up side of things that I think was the the biggest thing and looking back on it especially because at the time you're so like immersed in the in the thing you're in you're not right. realising what it's teaching you but it's like we were taking our GCSEs in school and we travelled to play a gig in Paris like, <laughs> we were all like 15 at the time I, I don't know how we got our parents to agree to it like we ask them now and they they all kind of like are stumped on the answer as that why they let us go but it it was one of those things and like coming up to a border and trying to explain where we've been and what we do so oh yeah we just played this punk festival it's like what <laughs> like, <laughs> like you you just baffle people it's nuts because you know we're like most of us are fifteen. We're just, we're too busy diving off stages and listening to other bands, you know. And I'm now, and you're the dudes up there doing it. But you yeah. have this perspective <laughs> that no other band has because you've got this life experience behind you, and you still got the best to come. You know, what I mean, you, 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 there's another twenty five yeah, years yeah. of you guys at least doing this, whether you're in grade two or not. No, it's true. It's, it's a very it's a very strange position to be in and it's it's one like I said it's like one of those things you don't realise until now like we bump into people especially post pandemic yeah we, we've been asked a few times it's like how, how old are you lot again and it's like <laughs> and you'll reply like oh yeah 24 25 and they're like hang on but didn't we share the stage eight years ago 
It's like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, everyone's like, it's weird. It's like, because we've announced this whole, like, we've been a band for 10 years, it's like we've kind of gone back in time on the reactions and everyone's like, oh, bloody hell. Like, you really were that, like, young band. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was us. Well, my mate Tom, who played in Voorhees, he says one day, you've got to check this band out. That's very well. Oh, this is great too. So I, so I was like, how old is this, is this band? And he's like, oh, they're like, they're like 17, 16, 17. I'm like, mate, you know, when we were 16, 17, what, what? But, you you know, you, you've seen more of the world than most people are ever going to see, even at this point. Yeah, uh, that's another thing that's truly unbelievable. Like, uh, all all of our families, like none of us have like we're not the families that had the like the holiday every year or yeah. anything. I think I'd left the country once, my, uh, yeah, once or twice before the band started, and I think the same for the other two. Like, and then the next minute, it's like we were away. There's a specific time period. I think we were probably in about 2014, 2015. So it was like first year or two of the band. Yeah. And I remember there was two months and we were away every weekend and we flew every weekend. Like, it was it was exhausting. That was a point when we were all like, oh my God, this is crazy. But we were loving it. It was like, we were like, I can't even remember all the places we played. And it was just one of those, like looking back on it now, it's nuts, like truly, truly nuts. But it's just like the, the justification comes in that, you know, you signed to Pirates Press, which is just fucking hell, you know. And then you go from Pirates Press to Hellcat, which is like you won the first UK band, the first UK band to do it, even Hellcat, yeah? Uh, there, I so. Actually, I think there was a band in the early 2000s, their name I'm forgetting right now, but there was definitely one band in the early 2000s. I'm not sure if they put out a record or if they were just on a comp. Yeah. And um, also just before we signed, an artist called Ratboy signed, and I think he is in Cheltenham. Right. Um, his, re- his record was like a um, kind of like a transplanty vibe. That's a on that hip hop hip hop means punk rock I yeah. yeah 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 it's a great record um and he signed just before us and then yeah we were the we were the follow up it's pretty it's pretty unreal actually cuz like we start it was before Paris Press we actually worked with Contra Records in Germany right and that they picked up on us early doors and I remember when we got the email from them about doing an EP from a demo that we released and that demo me and Jack literally erased from everywhere we it was it shit <laughs> it's like the worst <laughs> demo you'll ever hear in your life and we were just like get it down from everywhere we went back years later and we re-recorded one of the songs called Weekend Defender and we just put it out like yeah for a yeah. bit of fun but they took the shot and were like would you want to do an EP um and again that's probably like oh, the band started in May we recorded the demo in October that's I, that's fast anyway 
That is that is yeah. quick. Yeah, but again, the songs were shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it really it, it all it snowballed so quick, and it was just like, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like we were doing these huge yeah, projects, yeah. but in terms of like the amount we were trying to keep active, even at that time, we were like trying to play most weekends. And I remember when we recorded, we were playing like a local gig on the Thursday. Pretty sure we recorded the EP on the Friday and Saturday and then we went and played um in Gosport on the Sunday. Oh, we were we were just trying to keep that busy. Yeah. Um but that even with that mentality there was never like, okay, we're gonna be a band years down the line. It was just something at the time that we were all just it was just all guns blazing. Like we just wanted to do it, we wanted to do it. And I just I don't think that mentality has slipped yet. Right. Like even when we're booking tours now, it's like, oh, don't bother booking a day off. Like, we'd rather just play. Like, don't just gun the whole way through. Like, we're doing a UK tour in March. Yeah, because we're going to see in Newport. Oh, you Oh, God, yeah, man. Not long come, man. Oh, brilliant. If, if I'm brilliant. getting a chance to come and see you, like, I ain't going to get past that. Because the Newport date was announced after the Bristol date because originally it's going to be like, well, I'll go Bristol see you because my daughter's yeah, in, yeah. in Bristol and just go and, you know, have dinner with her and come and see you lot. And then you announced the, the Newport date in the cab, which is like a, a relatively new venue. Oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah. Well, Newport's right. closer. So oh, you're going like, to like Newport, mate. Yeah. It's uh, no, it's our first gig in Wales. So I'm yeah. excited for that run. It's I been a long mate. time coming. You ain't missed much. <laughs> since TJ's <laughs> closed down in Newport we've only had the pub like, but you ain't miss much and you're not going to miss much oh, but it's a good worry. crowd oh, it's a very good small crowd. town it's a really good crowd in Newport really good brilliant yeah we're really excited to come honestly 17 dates the... though in the UK that's nuts back to back yeah no days off then we take two days off mm. and I think that they're just travel days and then we've got I think it's 20 27 gigs back to back is yeah, that on the mainland? That, that's mainland Europe, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah we do it we do it <laughs> all out. Like when we're going for it, we're gonna go for it. And then it's that, yeah, it's just it's when you're in the US really. then it's gonna be like you you'll be doing like fifty, sixty dates easier. Got oh, it. that was the that was the original plan, but we don't have time to do that. Uh <laughs> this this time around anyway, we're going out there and we're doing twenty four. And then well, it's still like well, there's 70 dates just for this, you know, on, on, in the aftermath of the record yeah. was released. And there's going to be more on that, following off of that, because there's going to be festivals and all that kind of stuff as well, isn't there? Yeah, I think at the moment, I think we're at probably about 70, even between 75 and 80 gigs booked right now. I think probably by the end of the year, we're probably looking around the 130 mark, 140 mark. <laughs> It just it makes me tired just thinking about it. You know, what I, mean? I was about to say, yeah, speak to me once we've done it and see if I'm still smiling <laughs> and buzzing about it. So, what another thing amazes me is you, 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 you know, given your comparative age, you don't pull from bands as influences from the 21st century. You go, you know, you've looked at the past and you've gone, yeah, this is what we do, this is what we like, and it's it's a it's unusual to say the least. Yeah, I mean, we definitely take from like the obvious I think like throughout the punk scene we definitely would like scout like through everything and like kind of do a bit of digging of like 
b-sides and stuff that like sticks out and it's just like well that was cool why did that never like pop out to everyone but then there's definitely like a new side of like bands that we'll listen to like specifically like uh a new like the arctic monkeys their first two records and those storytelling lyrics always kind of captured me and was like i wonder if we could do that in a punk style and kind of just like get that like that like British charm yeah. and like that like description but in like my punk style and trying to like kind of mash those two together but yeah I mean predominantly it's like we want to keep it like a straight up punk band I mean I know there's like this whole new wave that's happening in the UK of bands that are like under the punk bracket but like have these other avenues and I, we're big fans of all of those that are all coming through um, but I think we've got our lane and we're like we know where where we're at because there's bits of Slade in your sound as well even when you know like, like that old sort of 70s yeah, yeah. rock and roll vibe and that's what I think differentiates you no I don't think just put it balls out and go for it and don't give a shit who or what people think of you. This is who you are. This is what you do. And it's really refreshing because you're not restricted by that sort of scene politics or scene ideology or scene ideas. You just do what you do and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite easy to fall, like, fall into that and kind of try and meet certain expectations. But it's like, if it, we said to each other, it's like, look, if there's ever a point when it's just like, this ain't fun anymore, and it's like that's when we knock it on the head like we have to be enjoying what we're doing like we need to rock up to rehearsal and rehearsal needs to be like it, it needs to still be a hobby like needs to still have the fun as well as the grind and if you're getting like wrapped up in like certain parts of the scene which like I don't know it's like we just always steer clear of it I think yeah. again it was like an age thing at the start of it it was just like who wants to be dealing with that as a teenager? <laughs> yeah. like, and that kind of that kind of mentality just kind of stuck with us. It's like, do we really want to be like dealing with that? It's like everyone at our show has a laugh. Like everyone's got like a smile on their face, and they're all yeah. having a good time. And it's like, we are you. Like I could happily be on the flip side. Like that's that's what I would want to be doing. Like, and yeah. I think that just kind of stuck with us. You let the music do the talking, and that is refreshing you know from, from like a, from, from a grizzled old punk rockers perspective it is refreshing just to hear about just don't give two fucks we're just gonna go and play and if you like it you like it and if you don't you can leave and yeah, that's, that's literally it yeah yeah and that's that's where i'm going newport i mean i don't get out of the house much because i don't there ain't much i like anymore because i'm old like but <laughs> you lot are making a journey you know there's a oh, couple, there's a load of us coming up like just just because yeah, it, it it reminds you what it's like to be young again, just to listen to music and have a good time and hang out and have fun. Yeah, and that's what you yeah, feel like. Yeah, it, like especially I feel like it's kind of like a. They kind of mentioned in the record as well. So like a sign of the times as well at the moment. I feel like there's always so much shit that's going on. It's like if we can be the place where you can go for that night and kind of just like leave it, go out, catch up with everyone from your area have that night out and like we can be a part of it then it's just spot on really like I don't know what more you could be asking for because really like 
you like you're there to bring the entertainment in a in a in a nutshell. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't want people to be there just like, oh god, is he rambling on about that again? Like <laughs> but just yeah, have a drink, have a good time, like enjoy the music, and that's that's what we aim to do. Right. So you you mentioned before that you bring like the sort of Arctic Monkey storytelling into music. So yes. on the new album. How have you explored that sort of those sort of themes? How have you explored the storytelling element lyrically to your music? Um, I would say so. You know, I tried to hit the nail on the head with this one as well. At another interview, he goes, "Can you sum it up brief?" I was like, "Oh, bloody hell, really?" Um, no, but you go for it. Like this is this. Yeah, is- yeah. I, I think that really like. Lyrically, we've really focused on this album because every story, every song is a story and a truth. Right. Like if you ask us about each individual song, there is a place where it's come from of an event or something that we've witnessed or even just like a general feeling. We've tried to cover like the subjects that are the most relatable to everyone, whether it be from just like the weekend out where you can leave your troubles behind yeah. to falling in love to having the stress of everyday life and like mainly like through the pandemic of like the questioning of are you really at where you want to be are you happy with everything and the realization of that everything is going to be all right and it's like trying to hit those subjects that like i feel that everyone's feeling at the moment and it was just to echo that we're feeling it too and this is our outlet of that and it's like not all of it is like some of it's tongue-in-cheek like we did we released a single doing time yeah and that was just about like going to work like we're working like five six days a week and it was just like fucking hell we've got no time for nothing and then there's like other but that, songs that's like, instantly relatable to everybody who is it because you're just sitting at those desks and you're counting the minutes down and the seconds and it comes down to it and it's just as soon as that as soon as that bell goes as soon as that buzzer rings as soon as the clock hits five you, you, you're gone you're out you know, yeah, you're exactly. and that's your time and it don't matter what age you are because everybody relates to that because everybody's been in that situation you know yeah I'm looking at my phone like looking at the clock on my phone and <laughs> looking up at the clock on the wall I'm like I ain't gonna change no. <laughs> But yeah, then there's like other songs that where it gets like a lot more, like on a bit more of a deeper level. Like uh, on the B side, there's a song called "It's a Mad World, Baby," right. and that song is like it. That song is like it rounded, and it's, it says in it like, "Is this where you're supposed to be?" And how those kind of questions are the ones that you get while you're like laying in bed at night. Um, but in a sense, it's also like a love letter. Like it's hitting those two together of just being in that like kind of like catch twenty two situation, but really you will find a sense of if you break it all down, it's going to be all right. Um, and then we finish the whole album with a good old drinking song. <laughs> so it, 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 it ends on a high note. How uh, could you not like? You know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah, just... yeah. It's, we tried to cover everything. I feel like there was enough events that we had all personally experienced within the time frame of the last record, mm. um, the year after that, and then through the pandemic to write about 
and I feel like we've covered a wide range that maybe if the whole album isn't your cup of tea, there will at least be a song on there that you could probably be like, or oh, can relate to that one. It's a, there's a progression from beginning to end on the, on the record that works. You know what I mean? It's, it is, it feels natural, it flows naturally, and it's fucking great, mate. Seriously. No, thank I, you very much. Because I expected big things out of it after Graveyard Island. Because oh, like, when Graveyard Island hit, it was like, fucking hell. You know, the, the progression yeah. is, look, these guys, guys are made from there to here. And now the jump you've made, even though it's instantly familiar, right? Is yeah. just mind blowing. Yeah, that's the thing. You never want to change too much because it's like people have already resonated with something. And if you go and completely change the sound, then you're probably going to lose the people that have already found you. Right. And I think we're already enjoying what we were playing so much. It had to just be that natural progression. We didn't want to be thinking about it like, oh, uh, how should we make this one sound? Should we add like a, <laughs> yeah. a whole new dynamic to it and it there's only three of us on stage so i mean it has to work live because otherwise you're delivering a record that people are never going to see and i think that was like another thing that we're always conscious about is that like there's definitely additional things in this record like we have jackie and Raylan that sing on some tracks uh, specifically brassic so you have those female vocals coming through yeah uh and there's some keys that run throughout but overall, the whole record translates live, and that's the biggest thing for us. It's just, see, how do you feel about the record now that's finished? Now that you know it's about to drop, you, is there is there like a a sense of sort of nervousness? Have you got like, oh, I'm freaking <laughs> it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, the feedback's been. Unbelievable on the singles. Like, really grateful to everyone that's checked it out so far. But there's definitely like your nights where it's like, bloody hell, I hope people like it. <laughs> so, from my perspective, right. I'm telling you, don't fucking worry. You're nothing to worry about. Literally. Oh, I appreciate that. If the Thank reviews you. don't leave you with a big smile on your face, they ain't listening to the same record the rest of us are. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited. I really am. I'm re- like, I feel like. Like you say, I think there was an anticipation once it, like the feeling was going around that we were going to drop another record. I feel like it kind of re-sparked something for Graveyard Island and right. people were kind of like going back to it and we're like, okay, I wonder what they'll do next. And we kind of saw that and it was like, oh God, that's on now, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> like, nah, and it, it, like, it was, we tried to play it cool recently and everyone was like, oh, was there pressure for the new record? And I went to go, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> Jack, Jack was on, was because yeah, I had sleep this night so for it. <laughs> oh, you, got no, so, you, got, yeah. you have nothing to worry about, man. Seriously, it's uh, no, thank you. Me, it really does mean one. a lot. So I'm gonna hang up now because I've wasted enough of your bloody time, and you don't need to be talking. No, honestly, you don't need to be talking to all man this time. Like, get off and enjoy yourself, you know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will grab your well, pint in Newport because it's gonna be a pleasure to see you. Yes, thank you, mate. And thank you for taking the time to listen to the record as well. Oh, really dude, appreciate it. It's my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. And hello from the other two guys as well. All right, take it easy, Sid. Nice see one, mate. We'll see you in Newport, brother. Tell that, man. Yeah, see you there, mate. Tell that, man. I've lived to see both sides of the coin. Some people I know don't care if they live or die. 
we've had our share of these trying times So tonight, we're gonna leave them behind Oh yeah, we're gonna leave them behind I 